Hi, welcome to the church split. My name is Will, and yes, I did bleach my hair. I thought I would try to make it look well with my logo. Just kidding. So quarantine makes you do funny things. So real quick, I just want to clarify with y'all. I was hanging out with some friends, and he bleached his hair, and then I gave it a peer pressure, and I bleached mine. So now I'm just bringing back the 90s baby, but that's not what we're here for today. Today, we have a special guest with us, and this is uh, my brother-in-law. His name is Drew Wright. He, they are uh, missionaries, or they do deaf missions, and there's a, there's a bit of a story here, and Drew and I are very close, and as we're doing some waves of interviews right now, I wanted to make sure that uh, we had some people on uh, that I'm familiar with as we work away to other people as well. But Drew, we're going to bring him on the show right now. So, hello, Drew. Are you are you looking up right now? Howdy, howdy. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm fantastic. I've been talking to you for the past thirty minutes, but now I have to try to create this artificial talk. So, for those of you who are right, watching, because we have to, you know, comply to the construct that is this interview. Okay, that's weird. But so for yep. those who don't know, uh, I, if I'm constantly looking away from the cameras because his monitor is down here so we can make room for the camera. So I promise I'm not trying to avoid eye contact with you. But anyway, so Drew, real quick, uh, what is, so obviously you and I have, how long have you been married to my sister? Uh, it'll be 10 years this year, actually. Is, is it really 10 years? Yeah, because we were married in 10, in 2010. That's you insane. Were I, I shut up. I'm aware. <laughs> My hair was a different color back then. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah. Anyway, um, so I'm gonna make a lot of references to it because it's funny. But all right. So you've been married to my sister for ten years, and you have like what four boys, right? Last time I counted, yeah, there was four of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have we have four boys: Charles, Josiah, Timothy, and Elliot. They are ages eight and down, all the way down to two. Uh, and they they're they're fantastic. They're a lot of work. They're super busy, but they're they're a joy. Yeah, yeah, they're absolutely a nightmare too. But uh, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> depending on the day. Okay. So, so um, you and what do you what do you do right now for 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 work? And then we're going to hop into your background a little bit. Uh, right now, I am the program director and chief instructor at American Freestyle Karate in Salem, Virginia. So basically, if I say anything wrong, you'll what was that? Yeah, yeah. Self karate shop. Yeah. So basically, I I help teach classes. I uh, focus a lot on enrolling new students, upgrading students into the black belt club, uh, helping them set their goals, reach their goals, and all in all, just promote how awesome karate is everywhere I go. Oh, nice. So you're just punching and kicking people everywhere. Is that how you demonstrate that? Sometimes. <laughs> kick him in the face. You want to know how to defend yourself against a, a face kick? Join my school. <laughs> Gotta stop that if you're one of my students. <laughs> oh, so anyway, uh, Drew, what is your background exactly? Because I think this is where things get interesting. So obviously we talk about controversial topics here, but also we talk about education. We talk about understanding other views and other perspectives, and there, we try to cover a broad, we're trying to cover more and more of a broad sense of things on this channel. And I think you have a different, fla a certain flavor that some people can relate to. So can you just go ahead and tell me your, what your background is for those who don't know, and just kind of jump into it from there? Sure. So I grew up in church. Uh, both of my parents were professing, were professing believers. I used to past tense because my dad passed away when I was a baby. Uh, so growing up, it was just mom and me. The church that I went to, um, it had historically been a, been a stronger, independent, fundamental Baptist church. Uh, the leadership had changed hands a few times by the time I got there. 
and a traditionally minded Baptist church, uh, for sake of clarity. By the time I got there, it's not that they had moved away from that. It just, it was kind of undefined, right? Like we used the King James, but we never talked about it. We King hymns, but we never talked about why. Uh, so I kind of grew up kind of just in this nebulous, you know, church is great. You know, I learned, I learned a lot of, a lot of, uh, foundational truths about the gospel, things like that. Uh, I was, I felt the Lord calling me to ministry when I was around 15, 16, uh, and then I had to pick a Bible college, and I picked Crown College of the Bible in Powell, Tennessee, and that was where my uh, worldview really started to get defined. You know, if you look at different personality types, and whatever you subscribe to, whether it's the, the Myers-Briggs personality types, or disc profile, or spiritual gifts, or whatever, my personality is, is is ENFP. One of the things that is true, and no matter what system I look at, is that I am pragmatic. And so when I went to Bible college and I saw a successful church, however you want to define that, at that time I defined it by big and lots of people, right? So I was <laughs> people running a Bible college, and I was like, oh, so this works, so this must be right. So I, I made that correlation in my mind, that if this works, then obviously God's blessing it, and it's right. And so that was when I really started to become more traditional, um, fight and fundamentalist kind of Baptist. Uh, and, and, and I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm super grateful for my college experience. I mean, that's where I met my wife. That's where I met some of my best friends who I like still myself. Talk to. I mean, there were some negative things that came with the college, <laughs> but you know. No, so, so, you know. It was, it was fantastic. I, I learned so much. I already knew some sign language because the church I grew up in, there was a deaf guy. While I was there, I really got involved in deaf ministry and really felt burdened for the deaf and for, and, and for the deaf in, in both in uh, American ministries and in foreign ministries. And it was by my senior year that we surrendered to go and do uh, deaf missions internationally. So, so you've always so been pretty well focused on deaf ministry, right? Once I started actually, like, training for ministry, I mean, for, for a while, I fought against it, right? I was involved in it, but, like, I, I kind of had got this idea that I wanted to be a big-name preacher guy invited to the, to, the, to the big conferences and be on the platform. And, you know, deaf ministry people don't do that, usually. They're, they're kind of just unknown behind-the-scenes people. And then I wanted to be out in front, like, the known, you know, whatever. I, I never got that and with so your personality I, at all. <laughs> right. Uh, so God had to humble me over a couple of years, and finally, by my senior year, I had gotten my head on straight in terms of you know just you know how you know, whether, how much the world actually does or doesn't revolve around me, and and I, I submitted to God's will then. Uh, and so then then after that, I served as as an assistant pastor and deaf ministry director at at our church at the church we were involved in at the time. Joined a missions agency, did the deputation thing. And we'll get into this later, I'm sure. But then I switched to a different missions agency and changed churches. And then now we've, we believe that the door is closed for us to do international missions. And we're serving where we are. Uh, we started a, a deaf ministry at our church at Lakeside Baptist Church in Salem, Virginia. And here I am. Very good. Okay, so um, that's really, really good job condensing your life story. So you were missionaries. You know, you're trying to do international deaf missions, and uh, you're not now. And so, just curious, what led to you stepping out of uh, out of international deaf international missions? Now, granted, if you want to talk about your transition here, that's fine too. That you can go ahead. Okay. Uh, so. The, the yeah, we'll deal with the transition maybe later. Okay. So as far as 
that's what led to us stepping out of that because I, I think that can be really important for a lot of people. Um, for us, it, Melinda and I, my wife, Melinda and I, are both really stubborn. <laughs> we're both strong-headed, strong-willed people, right? And so we were we were in it to win it, you know, wh- however you want to say it. We were dug in. We were going to be missionaries, no matter what. <laughs> so it took, it really took uh, God beginning to, to work in our hearts and our lives and show us things. Um, again, I tend to be a practical person. With the missions agency that we were at before, we had been on deputation for two years. We had raised about 25% support. And then when we when we transitioned out because of, of different issues, which we'll get to later, I know, um, I lost pretty much all of my support, right? And I expected that. And it's, you know, whatever. It's, whatever. Uh, and so then when we transitioned over, we, I, again, after about two years, we had gotten to not quite 15% support. Now, we were with ABWE, and their support level re- requirements were higher than the agency we were with before. So although it was 15% at this uh, ABWE dollar amount, it was actually about the same amount. And we stalled out there again. And we started having this thing happening where we were staying sick a lot to the degree that we couldn't we couldn't go and schedule meetings and go and speak at churches because somebody was always sick enough that we had to stay home and care for them. Or there was something disastrous that happened. The vehicle would break down. A part of the house would fall off. Uh, and then most recently, like, you know, Melinda cracked her leg in half, right? Um and so that slowed us down for a while. And so at that point, after, after like about, and that last, that was going on for a little over a year. I remember over it was like every that, time about, I talked to you guys, about, another thing just like, it's like, I, like I imagine the meme with the dog with the house burning and your guys are like, this is fine. <laughs> this is fine. This is fine. <laughs> yeah. And so, <laughs> so it, without telling each other, we had both started praying and asking God to show us whether or not he really wanted us to go to the mission field. Fast forward a year, uh, you know, Melinda's laid up in bed because uh, she decided she wanted an extra ankle on the one leg. And we, we, we had we had the conversation. Where she, and I kind of, I don't know, you, you know, when you've been married for a while, your, your, your spousey sense starts tingling. And you know when one of those conversations is coming. And I had known for a couple of days it was coming, but, you know, I tend to put off things that I don't like because that's healthy. And <laughs> finally, you know, she trapped me in the room and we decided to have the conversation. Um, and we both agreed, you know, it just seems like God is leading us to, to not go. And I expected there to be like a period of, of mourning almost, of like a, a sense of failure, uh, you know, we missed our chance. We messed it up. You know what? Now what? Um, but there actually wasn't that. As we talked about it, we were filled with peace. We started talking about things that we could do if we stayed here in terms of ministering at our home church, um, working a job at the karate school. Because I had already, you know, oddly enough, uh, God had orchestrated that, that I had landed a really good job that I love and am passionate about. And, and it was like, you know, we have these things in place. We're in a good position now. And just lots of joy and peace. And so then I met with our pastors, our, our senior pastor and our, our missions pastor. And we talked about it, and I told them the things that we had seen and what we had prayed about. And they agreed that they had kind of seen that. And they were they hadn't said anything to me yet, but I kind of got the feeling that they were, they were thinking that way. And they were just waiting to see what God would do. And, uh, <laughs> and then, by the way, uh, I found out after we were telling our life group, 
uh, that we had decided to stay. One of the guys was like, I've been praying for that since you got here. <laughs> so it's your fault. <laughs> no, but this was, you know, it was a great thing. Uh, so so that that's how that came about. And the thing that's been really incredible about, about the whole time, about this whole thing, is that I don't... I, I don't think that we missed our call or that I... We made a wrong choice in pursuing ministry. Um, and this is one of those things that has kind of transitioned for me as far as things, practical application of theology, is that I don't, I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that you have to be, like, dramatically called to go into ministry. And that if you have, then that's definitely what you're going to do. And if you don't have that sense, then you shouldn't even attempt it. Um, uh, you know, I believe that God is just looking for people that love Him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love love their neighbor as themselves, and are willing to do whatever it is God wants them to do. And we'll just, you know, how do you figure out God's will? And this is, it's not, all right, God, show me. But you have to active. I believe you have to be actively seeking it out and trying things and, and trying to open doors and seeing what happens. And we we tried to go through that door. Uh, I don't believe we waited too long. I think we we were we learned things and experienced things. Uh, I don't believe that I would be where I am now in terms of my, my beliefs and, and my walk with Christ if I hadn't gone through and learned and seen some of the things that I saw. Um, so I, I believe that it was all part of God's plan to lead me to this point, and I'm excited to see what's next. Yeah, well, that's, that's great. Cause, so when you guys are talking, so this whole transitional thing is going on with you guys, and you mentioned a really great thing where you were like, hey, you know, I'm not bitter about it. So, Because I noticed a lot of people when I was at Bible college, you know, they had this week-long missions conference. They really pushed out missions, missions, missions. And some people seemed like they surrendered to missions under the peer pressure and then later fell through. And other people, I think, were honestly called like, yes, no, this is definitely what God wants for me as they saw it the Lord's will. So would you say that you fell into either one of those categories or how would you say that that whole thing happened that's it's a tough question really uh for me because i you know god is god is sovereign uh in all things and and there was definitely like you said there was missions conference and there was you know talk about ministry is the highest calling of your life and pastors and missionaries are exonerated as, as heroes of the faith and and some rightly so you know i mean you know guys you know guys that, that made history martin luther adoniram judson hudson taylor eric you know those guys yeah so there are those guys and there are those guys today i believe that you could say are heroes of the face faith face heroes of the faith no heroes of the faith uh, <laughs> uh i'd say we can cut that out but i know you won't um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was kind of a, you know, a kind of a lifting up of a pedestal of, of, a, of a position that that is worthy of honor, but is really it's also a servant's position and is is a difficult path to walk. And 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 you know, it's not for everybody. Um, and I, and I know you know the leader of the college. He would he and, and you had you had heard it. You know, he would go on. He would. Say, you know, we need doctors, we need businessmen, we need that. But, you know, if you really are going to serve God, it's kind of kind of the feeling that I always got from it, whether or not that was intentional, and I'm not saying it was. That was just kind of how I always felt about it, how I always perceived it. it like, I, think, really I think a lot of people felt God. the same way. They were like, oh, this is what we really do if we want to serve God. So we got to, yeah, I get right. it. Right, and it's a Bible college. The whole thing is, it exists purely to train people for ministry. So if, if something like, you know, it's kind of an if-then 
relation in my mind. If this exists, then it must be that important. So anyway, so the pastors, you know, pastors got a lot of honor and a lot of clout there, and I, and I, I wanted that to a degree. There was a part of me that that, that want wanted that notoriety, which I already talked about that earlier. But even from a healthy position, I, I still wanted to be that guy, the the leader, influencer of large groups of people, uh, making a difference in, in a in a broad sense. Um, but at the same time, like when I was fifteen, before I had seen all of that, when I felt God calling me into ministry to begin with i i fought him on it for a for a while um before i i had a surrender moment and i know i said earlier i don't believe everybody needs that i think certain personality types have to have that you know hello kind of wake up call. <laughs> the beating over the head with the gods two by four yeah i've i've experienced that <laughs> so that i some in a, so in a way there was a pressure but again, I looking back with, with where this has brought me, I, I really do believe that it was God's path for me. Well, good. I mean, so that's good because it doesn't mean you're bitter about it or you have any jaded feelings about it. So I think that's really fantastic because that our attitude about such life changes is drastic because that was years of your lives that you guys poured into trying to be international. But I know that you guys ended up switching missions boards and there was this time that was actually pretty big. And this is actually, think I think, more the meat of it. I just wanted people to take time to get to know you today. Um, but I think this is where the meat of our conversation really lies which is uh, over time I know you experienced uh, some various things in the uh, traditional, I think that's the word you use, traditional Baptist realm or maybe the fundamentalist Baptist round, uh, realm, not round. Uh, so, and you, so you change it, so I know there's some changes to your theological approach and what sort of things, uh, there's some things that challenge your belief system. So my question is basically why, how, what, so talk, talk to me about what happened to you as a Christian spiritually as you conf were confronted with certain things and influences that be or anything like that sure sure and and i, I tend to use this the the phrases traditionalist or performance based or uh contemporary as opposed to fundamentalist you know because like that can be a that term means different things to different people right like i am a fundamentalist as far as the fundamentals of the faith but some of the baggage that gets attached to that phrase i'm not anymore um so, uh, I hate to admit this on the internet in front of a lot of people, but you had a large part to do with it, you know, because the as close as we were, I mean, uh, I know most of your audience doesn't know this, but there was a time where when we were both involved in ministry and we called and talked to each other every day, and we'd talk for like an hour at least most of the time um, about, and we'd talk about everything from, from ministry to just nonsense, just talking. Uh, and when issues inevitably came up in the conversation, and 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 I, looking back, I don't really even think you were on purpose bringing them up. Uh, sometimes I think I was. Um, yeah, no, I tend to try in all legitimacy. You know that as much as people know me as the church split guy or the guy who writes the issues in the church blog, and oh, Will's always stirring the pot. I, I get accused of that. I'm like, well, I have thoughts that I'll put out there, but when you know when I'm when I'm having a conversation with people, I'm not pushing my view on them. Uh, I actually try to respect right. people's liberty. So I just go, hey, if you're following my ministry, this is what I think, but I'm not pushing that on you. So anyway, continue. Right, and so we would have these conversations, and about issues, uh, you know, issue-centric things like like the Bible version, excuse me, the Bible version, music, the music issue, dress standards, 
kind of we would talk a lot about the big three, you know, within within that world of Christ, that realm of Christianity, and then we talk about other theological things. What? Real quick, could you just quickly explain that thought? Because I know there's probably some people here who don't understand what why those are the big three. Like, just just a real quick oh, snippet oh, oh. of what they are. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like music, right. what? So, if depend on the background. Right, right. So I was I was part of a movement, and and this is part of where where Will and I both have come from to a degree. Is is there was you know King James onlyism, um, and, and different strains of that if you really want to get into it. But King James onlyism. Um, Music standards would be, you know, hymns only, uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Which and what do we say about drums, Drew? What do we say about drums? They're the devil. That's uh, right. Yeah, no, drums, drums, drums are not allowed ever uh, for any reason, unless you're a missionary from Africa, and then, then you know, that's cool. Um, <laughs> and, you're not wrong. <laughs> I know. And, uh, uh, and then, so, so yeah, piano, organ, classical instruments, um, guitar, but you couldn't play it too cool. You kind of had to play it either bluegrassy or classical style. You know, you couldn't really, like, like. <laughs> it had to be acoustic. Uh, uh, I even, I even heard a, 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 right, yeah. Well, yeah, it depends, but usually, yeah. I even heard, heard a guy in a message or a lesson one time talk about, you know, uh, syncopated uh, rhythm is, is evil in nature and which is which it's like have you you know what that term means <laughs> I know, you keep, syncopation you is keep a very using that word yeah. i do not think it means what you think it means <laughs> yeah yeah and and i'll let you explain that some other time because you're the music guy um and then and so that's the music issue and then dress standards um ladies have to wear skirts or dresses or culottes all the time men should should wear collared shirt, khaki pants, or or jeans without fades, holes, or tears. So you got to get gram- so grandpa's jeans. Um, and, you know, shirt and tie worn to church most, if not all the time. And I'm not, I know I'm saying in a way that could sound sound like I'm, I'm, I'm criticizing them for it. I'm, I'm really not. It's just that was, that was what was touted as these are the standards and these are issues that you know that they're a good, solid church or a good, solid Christian, if they have the right stance on these things, uh, is is how that would get handed down. Um, so, so with so we would talk about those issues, the big three. Um, uh, Ed, he would ask, you know, Will would ask me questions like, "Yeah, but where do you find that in the Bible?" And I say, "Well, you know, I'd cite some verse," and he'd say, "But does it really say that? Um, what about this?" And he'd, he'd present an alternative argument, and then you know. Uh, I would find myself in a corner and unable to get out of it, and I'd just be like, "Well, I gotta go. Bye." <laughs> <You know? laughs> you, or change the subject. Do you remember there was one time you and I were serving in, in the same church, and uh, you were traveling abroad trying to get international missions, and I was serving in the church, and something came up because the pastor there got upset that I took off my suit jacket when I was interpreting for the deaf. And uh, oh yeah, 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 and it turned into this thing. And you, ki- you were kind of defending him. You kind of got a little hot about it. It was like the only time I've ever seen you mildly irritated. And I was like, "But it's not in the and Bible, then, <laughs> right?" And even then, it was because I had been taught. Uh, 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 I don't know how to classify, but I had just basically been taught that as the assistant pastor, you you support God's man. And even even when he's even if it's an uh, this is basically verbatim that even if it's an issue that he might be wrong about you don't publicly uh, 
um, out him for that. You you stand by him, and then you can try to have a conversation with him about it later, which I tried to follow that procedure. Which, of course, I took it off for practical reasons while interpreting, but that's uh, interpreting for the deaf, your arms, and there, there's a lot of this going on. <laughs> Your arms go all over the place. I mean, just arms everywhere. You, if you're wearing, if you're wearing a suit jacket, if you've ever worn a suit jacket, especially when you bought one that's the correct size, most people buy suit jackets too big. But if you buy one that's actually the correct size, you, you lift your arms up here, and the shoulder blades are up past your earlobes, and you're like, ah, you know, it's off. So it's not fun to interpret in a suit jacket, and it's it's also hard on the suit jacket in some ways, uh, especially if you leave the button. But that's not the point. Um, so yeah, that was the thing. Um, so we would have these conversations, and I started working through some of those, some of these issues. Um, and it, and then as I was on deputation, right? So we're having these conversations. I'm examining some of these issues, and I'm traveling to all of these different churches within the movement that I was in. And I, I want to be careful about how I say this uh, because I don't want it to sound like I'm making a broad generalization. I'm not saying that all of these churches are this way. I'm not saying that all of the churches that I went to were this way. But a lot of them were. A scary amount of them were. I would go and I would not hear... Uh, preaching would be on, would be The preaching would be issue-centric and not Bible-based. It would be... Uh, I call them skyscraper sermons. Just one story after another. You know. Uh, and... And... <laughs> and... and, and the it was in church was not and, and the way that the preacher would often communicate it wasn't it wasn't the spirit of Christ it wasn't it wasn't there it wasn't truth sprinkled with mercy and grace it was it was I started seeing a lot of well bless God we're right and thank God we're right and thank God we're not them you know <laughs> and I, I, I eventually I even started feeling like embarrassed and like i had to constantly apologize for my own movement like it's like well we're not we're not all that way <laughs> we're, you know uh, <laughs> i know the feeling when i tell people i'm like oh i pastored the blah, blah blah baptist church they're like baptist i'm like not that baptist uh and i i remember i'm always having to give caveats yeah i'm like giving caveats <laughs> all the time like and i, I understand so you're good <laughs> right so so those were some of the things that challenged my belief system was seeing, seeing all of that. And it was when I was able to kind of divorce myself from the emotional arguments, the rhetoric and the, the pseudo spirituality that was attached to a lot of these things that I was, and I was able to see it clearly, uh, that that was when I was like, this doesn't really hold water. Um, it, you know, you introduced me to Dr. James White and although uh, I don't know if you've addressed him, uh, things that he talks about on, on your, on your I videos. I think I've mentioned him before. Uh, basically, I, I'm pretty open to the fact I'm not Calvinistic in any way. So, uh, I, so, so there are certain things James White is really good at. I wouldn't adhere to everything, but I think that we could say that about most teachers. But we can at least acknowledge their good work when they do good work. Right. And his, his articles, debate, lectures, videos about the bible translation issue the bible version issue those are like the premier like thing to go to uh, uh they're kind of world, really get when you're king james only they're kind of world shattering you're like <laughs> um, and, it, and it, it 
for me, it was when I was when I was able to remove the emotions in the script. Just say, okay, let's look at the facts. Let's look at the history. Let's look at how we actually got the Bible. That was when everything changed for me because I had I had seen that uh, this what I was taught wasn't accurate. Um, I remember when you guys got your new American Standard Bibles. You thought you were so hip, but I was like, I'm proud. Uh, so yeah, so that was, but so as I was working through that and looking at the facts and seeking truth, um, and really learning, learning how to, how to think and study those things, uh, for myself and, and that's hard, you know, especially, you know, I know people really love James Peterson. Some people don't, um, but for me, his stuff about how, like, how to write an essay, how to think things through, et cetera, et cetera, those things really helped me in this process to say, okay, how am I doing, you know, how do I, what am I looking at here? Anyway, I think I've kind of gotten off track from the, from the question, but so spiritually it was, it was turbulent, um, for a while. And I did have some, I did experience some guilt, uh, once I had transitioned out because it's like, you know, I, I believed these things that are incorrect. And I, I, I preached to them. I taught them. I even discipled them. I have a disciple that's at a, that's at a particular, uh, college that I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't recommend it at this point uh, just because of their, their worldview and their stance on certain issues. Um, and I had a large part in sending him there, you know. Um, and I, I'm, I'm still proud of him that he's following God, of course, and, and trying to do what he believes is best. And what I, So what I had to come to terms with is that in, in, a, in a very real sense, I was deceived, not necessarily intentionally, because, uh, you know, we've talked about this, that there are people who are passing down these teachings that were deceived to themselves and are deceiving others, not out of maliciousness, but they, they genuinely believe it's the truth. And they're trying to do it from the right position and with the right spirit and attitude. Um, and that's that's kind of where I was. So I kind of went through a grieving period of, of you know, I was wrong <laughs> about a large portion of my life. Uh, I realized, you know, it wasn't on purpose. I wasn't ignoring the facts. And once I started really looking at it, then I obeyed God. And before then, I was able to move past some of that. Uh, I think, I don't know. Did I answer your question? I kind of went on a rabbit trail. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, no, I think you did. And I think you kind of explained some of the things because I guess to actually, you brought it to perfect place actually so because no I, and I, I remember i went through similar things as i started looking at things critically it happened to me at a younger age but you and i have very different personalities so i know my personality my brain type there even when i subscribed to them like this is the way it is i kept going why and i but i'm like and i'd come up with reasons and i'm like but then my my mind automatically gives me the counterpoints I'm like that makes more sense no 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 Stay away from me, mistress. I am married to this, you know. And it was, <laughs> and that was that was my struggle. That I <laughs> exactly until um, I realized the fact that I actually could not hold it. And you know me, I tend to be kind of a robot emotionally, much like Melinda. And so for me, I'm like, I, I'm all about the facts. And so I'm like, I but the facts. These are the facts, and I can't ignore that. And I always say that you know emotions aren't bad, but um, if you but they have to have the framework of the facts. If you don't have the framework of the facts, then your your emotions are just doing whatever they want to do and they need to be you know there needs to be a framework for them to work in yeah yeah my dance moves so you you, you kind of a coined a phrase that i've used from here on out when i'm talking to my friends because I, <laughs> I i i use a I reach a large audience that deals with uh fundamentalist baptist mainly because that's my background but 
You coined a phrase that has always stuck with me, which is simply performance-based Christianity. You, when you said that, I it actually was like, huh, that's it. Because our, so a lot of people, we judge each other and people's spirituality based on whether or not they fit certain criteria of our preferences. And we're not necessarily maybe holding it to scriptural value and stuff. So can you expound on your experience of performance-based Christianity? And just kind of, can you flesh that out for me, that concept? Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head. Because um, I, I, you know, a lot of people like to use the term legalist in legalism, and and it's such a, it's a term that is not. I don't, you know, I think at this point it's not well understood what you mean by it when you say it in general. Um, it's a loaded because top my, term. My yeah. take on it has always has always been a legalist is somebody who believes you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to be saved. And then they'll, they'll take the backwards truth that then if you're not doing Z, Y, and X, then you're not saved. You know, uh, so that's kind of where I encapsulate legalism. Mm -hmm. And that's not what I was in. That's not what I was taught. I, I was always taught salvation by grace through faith. Uh, that it was only through the work of Jesus. And even that it wasn't Jesus and works that saved you. It was just Jesus, right? So performance-based Christians are people who believe that, but then beyond getting saved, they believe that in order to please God in order and that you kind of can earn merit and favor with God by doing X, Y, and Z. And that if you don't do X, Y, and Z, then you're either out of fellowship with God or you might not be saved because, you know, uh, the proof is in the pudding kind of a thing. Um, and that's a fine line there between the two. But, but most of the people I dealt with were on this side, where they really believed in salvation by grace through faith, but then they also added these things afterward, right? God, you missed and, a few things. Let me help you out. <laughs> well, it was, I mean, it's not even that. It's like, okay, so God gave us this book, and this book is the manual for how to please him. And, and, and uh, this is my bullet journal, not <laughs> anyway, so this is the manual for how, to, for how to please him. And so there must be things that I find in here that will help me earn favor with God after I'm saved. The big problem with that is it's not in the Bible. <laughs> you know, either 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 you're you're out of fellowship with God and you're unregenerate and you you're you're separated from God forever or you're saved, you're an adopted son because of the position of because of the justification of Christ. It it in taking you know, positional justification, right? Um they'll even teach that and then add this things like, "Well, no, you, you those don't work together. Either you're positionally justified and in favor with God, or you have to earn it. And it's, it's what I've what I had to learn, and I'm still learning. Uh, sometimes I still find myself having to unlearn things. Is that it's all grace. It, it's all God's grace, and God and God's favor is bestowed upon us because of His Son, not because of anything that we do. Um, and of course, that's and, where Paul goes. That that doesn't mean we should sin, so that grace may abound. But it's just the fact that my Christianity not ought to be per, be performance based, right? Say it again. Uh, just so it's, that's where Paul was saying, uh, but we, that's why we can't sin, so that grace may abound. So it's not saying that you know we get to just do whatever we want, but the fact is that oh, we need right, to, yeah. yeah, we need to be focused on Christ. Right, because God is holy, and there are sins. There, are, you know, uh, uh, bleaching your hair. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, there are, there are, there, there are things that, that that God clearly lays out as sin. Actually, you know what's funny is that there and, are people in that circle. A lot of people would I, say there that are, it is there sin. Are, I know. <laughs> That's why I said it. Um, but yeah, so and yeah. 
Sorry, I got so distracted by your stupid hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So there are sins, and there is there is being out of fellowship with God because of sin, even after you're saved, because you've committed a sin and you haven't confessed and and repented and got you know I, you know, restored your relationship with God in that sense. But then as soon as you do that, you're back in a hundred percent favor with God. You don't have to earn it by witnessing this much, passing out this many tracks, dressing this way, et cetera, et cetera. So it becomes this performance-based system where you can test, okay, how spiritual was I this past week? How spiritual was I? What are my spiritual goals for tomorrow? And and not all of them are this way. I mean, you know, there are some of the leaders within that that type of movement, performance-based Christianity. They are they are wolves and they are power mongering, you know, power mongers. Um, those do exist. And and I, and I don't I don't I don't pretend or trick my, fool myself into saying that they don't, but I believe that most of the people that are in that kind of a movement they, they they genuinely love God and they genuinely believe that there's a list of things they have to do in order to please Him, um, and it's it's a shame because you don't, but you do. In that in that you know Jesus summarized it right, right. Two things: love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's been my big thing for the past year that I've been chewing on and thinking about is, is loving God and loving people. And that's the ultimate expression of Christianity. That's what you have to do to, to walk in a way, to walk worthy, you know, of, of our calling and our, our salvation. Um, it is really so, funny yeah. when you actually really start munching on those two commands. Like, oh man, there's a lot there. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so... Simple, but so difficult. <laughs> but so difficult. Yeah, it's so true. You cut out there for a second. All I heard was you screaming, "Just so difficult." But yes. <laughs> I mean, there's, there, I mean, there's no way I could love you without the help of Jesus. Well, and it's just how it goes. That is know? the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I look in the mirror every day and go, "Man, you got a face only Jesus could love." Um, so real quick, so we're, what you're really talking about in a sense is the fact that you were kind of grown and marred and molded and shaped into this performance-based system, which really kind of deals with like indoctrination. I've actually described a lot of what I was raised or like in, in that world is very cult-ish and I don't think they mean to be cult-like, but it simply is the facts. You know, they, 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 these are the, this is the information. You cannot read this because that information goes against what we say. Therefore it is the devil. And you know, and it's, so it's things that should be shunned. And it, uh, we know a lot of people that once they started doing this, they fell away. And I remember hearing them say phrases like fall away, get away from God. And what they really meant was the fact that, well, they, they just don't use the King James maybe or whatever. So there's like, it's like, well, they, aren't they still pastoring a church? I thought they loved the same Jesus we love. No, not the Jesus of the King James. Okay, I didn't realize there's different ones. But anyway, um, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, Man, I got, I got like... I got like I got like four different Jesuses here. Then I got my NKJV, my ESV, my NASB, and my KJV. Which one you want? No, no, no. You only got you got a bunch of perversions. You but the KJB is the one. Okay, uh, we're not going to oh, worry the about KJB. Let's unpack that issue. No, no, no let's no, not. We don't That's, have that much time. We don't have that much time. <laughs> Might be a fun thing for you and I to talk about though sometime. So, really quick. So, yeah, sure. Um, 
when it comes down to it, so I'm just trying to get like, the reason why I have you here is because I think your story is, is unique in the sense that you have been one of the people who have had to look at the way they've always believed and realize it was a lie. I did a similar, similar scenario, you know that. Um, but I think a lot of people get tricked into this and it's really an indoctrination kind of camp. And can you just tell me real right. fast before we, before we kind of come to a conclusion here, but what was, was there like an Achilles heel that really just like, this is what broke me. This is the moment that I know that you and I had a lot of conversations. And then what was funny yeah. is some of my conversations that we talked about, you'd go to a travel to a church and you'd see that issue come into real life. And then you'd be like, this crazy thing happened. I'm like, yeah, that's what I've been saying. Um, and it was just funny because, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you start, I think that's what it is. So it's not even so much me as much as it was just, you heard somebody else say it, then you went and witnessed it. And then it was like giving yourself a different perspective where you're going, oh, maybe I was oh. a little. So what was, was there an Achilles heel uh, situation or even a, an issue that just kind of snapped for you? It, there's, there, was, there was three things that all worked together. Um, one was I, I studied one of my, one of my pet topics now to talk to people about is, is abstain from the appearance of evil. Okay. Oh, that's a fun one. Uh, if, you're not, <laughs> if you're not, for those who aren't familiar with the, 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 the world that we came from, that issue, you know, you, you can because people don't know what movie you might be watching. So you have to abstain from doing anything that would make it appear like you're doing evil. So there's different, and there's different degrees people take that. Some people, want, I, go ahead. There's a video on this channel I do have about that. If you want to just check it out, go there and check it out. I, I explained the issue biblically if, you've, if you're from this background. Continue. You should watch it. I mean, uh, I, read, I, read, I read your article back when that was all you had, uh, and then I studied it myself. So the college that I went to, I was trained in how to use, how to, how to study Greek. So I went back to the Greek the Greek text um, and and hashed it out and a, an accurate translation um, would actually have been not so much abstain from the appearance as in looking like, don't look like you're doing evil, but the word appearance actually had the idea of appears, when evil appears when it shows up, when it pops up abstain from it so Another and if you look at some of the other versions, I didn't look at other versions. Just to clarify, before I, I just went from my King James to the Greek, did my translation work, came up with my my version of that verse, if you will, my translation work of the verse, and then I looked at other versions afterwards, and I found that a lot of them agreed that the translation was was accurately, when evil appears, flee from it, right, run from it, and so that kind of made me go. Oh, oh, this is not good. And then, at the same time, I had been, while I was on deputation, I was, and, and again, take this for what it's worth, that I'm not, I'm not criticizing that movement of churches as a whole, but the churches that I, the majority of churches that I experienced when I was traveling. You won't, I, I will. I was so starved. I was, I, what? So you won't, but I will. Continue. <laughs> I was so starved. For, for, for solid, biblically-based preaching that I began searching for it on the internet, on YouTube. And I came across two guys, Francis Chan and David Platt. And I listened to one of their sermons, a couple of their sermons every day for about two weeks. And at the end of that two weeks, not that I was doing it on two weeks for a purpose, that was just the time frame that like I looked back 
in the course of two weeks of listening to some of their sermons on and off, I heard more gospel than I had heard in two years. And I saw more of a spirit of, of, of Christ, a spirit of love, of, of, of uh, uh, not being uh, unrighteously angry over sin, but grieving over sin, grieving over the lost, searching to please and find God for who he is and worship him and love him and love people. I saw more of that in two weeks than I had seen in two years. And, and I, I looked back at the, the attitude and, and the, the way that the movement that I had been in, the way they carried themselves and related to others. And it was, it was like, this is not right. Something's wrong. And so then at that point, the one thing that was holding me back was the Bible version issue. So I did the thing where you go and you listen to the other side's argument and you try to disprove them, right? Oh, don't so you I hate went, that? That's what got me. Yeah. On the, that's what got me on the alcohol thing. I was like, I'm going to disprove you. Crap, 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 crap. Abort, abort. Anyway, so uh, I, <laughs> I talk. So I start. I started trying to disprove it, and and I had been taught. Um, and I, I don't want to steal your thunder for your videos that are that are coming up. So I'm just going to nutshell it. I have been taught that the King James version was the the only, the pure version, the full revelation of God, because of the text that it was translated from, the Textus Receptus, that, and that there were two, there were two Greek manuscripts, only two. One was the Textus Receptus, which came from the Byzantine area, uh, which we know that, the, which, and we know that there was apostolic presence there, and so that was a pure text. The other one is the Alexandrian text, which is the critical text, and there's some guys that would even say, "In the critical text, the name should tell you it's wrong." That's not what that means. It's not <laughs> critical. And, um, anyway. <laughs> and then, and then that came from Alexandria, Egypt, which you know, oftentimes in the Bible, Egypt is a picture of falling into sin or going into evil, and so it's a god. And there was no apostolic presence there, which historically that's arguable, very arguable. Uh, and so that text is obviously corrupted. And so you have the pure text that only the King James is translated from. And then you have this corrupt text that every single other version of the Bible is translated from. And I, you know, I believe that hook, line, and sinker because, again, I was a pragmatist. So it's like, if this works, this college and this church, this works, and God is blessing it, then this must be right. Well, also, just in general, uh, I mean, first off, black and white is always easier for us to go, like, yes, no, got it. And so there's a pragmatic issue there. It's easy to uh, it's easy to understand. And also, when you don't hear any counterpoints, uh, it's easy to buy things hook, line, and sinker. So continue. Sorry. Right. And I, and I never really listened to people that use contemporary Bible versions' arguments for why from their perspective. I would hear people in my camp tell me what they said, which I found out is not what they say. But anyway, uh, so so then when I started really studying it, and I'm not going to go into all of the, the, the truth as far as how it is actually translated. Just in short, that's not true. That's, that's not historically how we got the Bible. It's not how it was translated. There's more than two texts. A lot more than two texts. I don't remember the number. I know you you probably can rattle it off. Uh, twenty five about twenty five thousand New Testament scripts. If you get everything all together, apparently it's about fifty four thousand. Um, th those are the large inclusive right. numbers. There's you can get more conservative on X Y Z, but I'm just giving you the general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you and then you go into the translation principles that you know we're more likely as 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 human nature as we're copying things as we're scribing things. We're more likely to add them to take away. And so then it's interesting when you look at the TR that it has things in it that no other text has. And it has these bizarre additions. And you know, when the when the TR was being worked on, 
there was no they there was no uh, book of revelation uh available uh, to the and I, I always forget the names of, of the people was it erasmus i don't yeah uh, erasmus did the texas receptus so yeah yeah, yeah. So, so, and then, you know, Erasmus had, had, it was like, okay, well, you, if you want to do it, you have to have it done by X, Y, and Z. And he suddenly produced the book of Revelation. You know, he backward translated it from the Latin Vulgate. And so that's what's in the TR is the Revelation is a backwards translation from the Latin Vulgate. So it's like, so are you sure <laughs> that it came from, you know? Uh, and so once I came to grips with that and realized, okay, well, here's the fact, then that was the releasing moment when I felt peace and comfort and, and, and knew that it was, Time to change, and that was when we made the transition. So the Achilles heel was threefold. It was the it was the attitude, um, the the uh, 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 same for the appearance of evil argument, studying out for myself and finding out that what I had been taught for years was wrong, and then the Bible translation issue. Yeah, so uh, it's funny because yours are similar to mine. Like those would be some three ones for me. I think mine was instead of the translation issue, is the music issue because I'd already gotten so accustomed to so yeah. well. I guess alcohol too. I don't know. I would do really weird like year and a half period where I just dove into everything and every my entire worldview just kept shattering one one after like dominoes and I was like no 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 uh, everything right. I believed was a lie uh, and I just I just remember going through that um, and but uh, it's it's something that I just remember when you went through that and I have a friend of mine who's going through it now and some other some other people I've talked to that have it is so cool though to see how God works in it because I saw, I remember seeing you spiritually just kind of take off and like even these areas where you may have been originally complacent like in a sense you started I'm not sure if man up is the right word but I just remember you shifting from like this one more goofy complaint you've always been goofy I'm goofy we're goofy it's fine but like I just remember you were kind of like, you're, you're kind of apathetic in so many different areas and then you just started to become more passionate because I think what was happening is that those things were actually handcuffs holding you back from being able to truly experience what it means to live in God and live in his presence so uh, and and just just being really honest, I, I was afraid that I was wrong. Uh, if, <laughs> for a long time, I, I kind of had a feeling, and I was afraid that I was wrong. And so, rather than dealing with it, I was just I would take the path of apathy, the path of least resistance. You'd be like, I'm not worried about that. That's not that big of a deal. When some of them were. Yeah, and obviously, and it has crippled. And the thing is, is that because of these movements, that's actually in many ways. So I said, I'll be there. I'll, I'll be the one who throws shade because I know you don't. But it actually has hurt the cause of Christ in so many ways. A lot of people won't walk into a church ever again because of the horrible things they've experienced in such circles. So I, I think it's important that we, you know, that, that it's one of those like, well, let's just make it about the facts first and let's really take it. It's okay to not be right. And that's one of the things that took me a while because I'm a stubborn cat. You know that. Um, that it rhymed and it wasn't supposed to uh anyway but you're a poet and weren't aware of the fact uh, <laughs> uh, so the thing is, is this whole i just remember being now going like okay it's okay not to always be right and it's okay to have it pretty wrong that's why a lot of times on my page when i'm like is did i say something factually incorrect because i want to be corrected i don't want to be like propagating lies so um right i feel like you and i could talk about this for a very long time so just to kind of bring, land this plane a little bit um so since we focus obviously on unity and also church splitting ideals and i think that's the irony of this channel right like we we talk about controversial topics but we 
here's how to split it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it's like, okay, there's controversial topics. Let's let the facts be the facts. But at the same time, can we have a spirit of unity and decency with one another? Like, I don't, as much as I think certain movements are dangerous and I have my issues with them, I still, you know, they're still my brothers and sisters in Christ, and many of them don't know better on some of these issues. Um, but since we focus so much on unity and church splitting ideals here, what would your advice be to people who have experienced the same thing? And what sort of reactions did you get? And how did you handle those responses personally? So what would your advice be? And how did you handle reactions when this happened? Yeah, so advice is, is study and think. Learn to think. You know, if you don't know or you're not sure that you know how to, how to critically think, you know, read Jordan Peterson's stuff. Uh, especially his stuff about writing an essay and how, how if you can write, you can think. Um, and then, then pick, pick the issues that are the hills you would die on right now. You know, the, the, the big, big issue, whatever it is. And then study it as objectively as you possibly can. And, and yeah, there are people on both sides of the fence. There are people who will, with love and grace, present their argument on both sides. And then there are people that will, with venom and, 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 a, and you know, just a wicked attitude, present their argument, too. And so you have to learn that, like, okay, you know... Uh, <laughs> The vocal, the vocal minority is not the majority, right? Mm -hmm. um, you you have to learn to suss out those people, and and find the ones that are that are presenting articulate arguments. Um, uh, I don't have a good resource of those. I just there's things that I've stumbled across and found in, in my own time, and I I didn't bother saving them because I didn't think about that. But anyway, if you have if so, you have any so of those such questions, that's what. That's why this page exists. If you have questions, go to our Facebook page, ask yeah. a question, send me a message. I'll send you a resource if I got one. Anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> so, so study them. Study them from both sides. Look at what your 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 camp, for lack of a better phrase, says, and look at what the other camp says, and and really try to objectively look at the facts, and and pray about it. You know, uh, we can't we don't don't take the spirituality out of it. Pray about it. Ask God to show it to you, and He will. And so, uh, study and think so is, we, is the advice. And right. And so, when you're studying, get maybe aware of confirmation bias that you're going to be biased to your own side. So, really cri think critically of the opposite right. side. So, continue. Uh, sorry, I keep cutting you off. Right. And that's hard. That's hard. And I don't know that I have a good way for how to not do that. For you know, for me, it was studying that abstain from the appearance of evil and being able to say to look at it and say that's not what this text says. And it doesn't matter what kind of argument you come up with for why it means what it means, word definitions are word definitions. And that's the beauty of the Greek language is that it's, it's so pr precise. You know, whereas in English, the word appearance, you can have some wiggle room for what it means and you can apply it in different ways. But when you go back to what it actually comes from in Greek, you, there is no wiggle room. It doesn't mean looks like, it's a verb. When evil shows up, anyway, uh, like I said, that's one of my pet issues now. So, <laughs> so it, you know, you, don't be afraid of the truth and don't don't be afraid of what will happen if you change your stance as far as how it'll impact your ministry your family your relationships we, we remember that you are commit we have the spirit of truth in us and it's you know the holy spirit will uh, lead us and reprove rebuke and exhort and so you just have to trust in god in this issue you know i was nervous about presenting it to my wife because I didn't know, you know, she grew up King James, King James only and within some of that movement as well. And I didn't know if I could convince her to, to not be King James only. And then, but I presented her the facts, let her study it herself. We talked about it. She prayed about it and God led her to the exact same conclusion. Uh, without like any coercion. God, 
all truth is God's truth, right? So yeah, God's going to be on the side of truth. So when you study it out, it's okay because uh, God's truth can withstand any criticism because it's the truth. Truth can withstand criticism. But uh, so real quick here. Um, so and I know you've got some lash out a little bit when you shifted um, a little bit. You got some letters from churches when you shifted your stance, and some of them were like, "We feel so betrayed," and you got so many weird emails. Um, but that's that just goes to show the how venomous some things can be. That's why we. That's why this channel. Why I started this channel was okay maybe we don't have to be so venomous right so um real quick uh and then we'll close it out so in what ways do you see this impacting your future drew your major theological shift you're splitting from traditions and preferences and diving into the realm of biblicism <laughs> yeah yeah um you know i, I... I don't know. I mean, I know that now I feel like I have a lot more opportunity to grow and to learn and to minister in different avenues because I'm not as pigeonholed as ministry means, uh, you know, mounting a pulpit and delivering a sermon. That ministry is a lot of things. Uh, and worship, worshiping God through ministry can, can take on different forms, right? So uh, there's, a, there's a world of, of, of possibility open to us. Um, I also feel like I'm able to learn things faster because I'm not, I don't have to filter it through this particular worldview that, that uh, would kind of muddy the process and be like, well, the only conclusion I can come to is this is wrong. You know? <laughs> 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 so, so I feel like, so I, I think, you know, right now we're not serving in a vocational ministry standpoint, but working at the karate school, I've had opportunity to minister in different ways and it looks a little bit different now, uh, but it's still showing the love of Christ to people. And it still brings me joy, and and I feel like I'm making a difference in, in people's lives. And there's also a lot of pressure off of me because although I am I am an extrovert and I am an outgoing person and I love talk I'll talk to a brick wall. I mean you know, True. like Drew talk. Okay, here you know just near him. I can go for forever. Um, but I was I, I I am not a I don't have that soul winner type of personality where where I am just totally okay with going up and and you know kind of. Um, out of the blue, dropping the gospel on somebody. And, and you know, maybe I need to be better at that. Yeah, I don't know. But all I know is that, that now I don't feel so much pressure that that's the only avenue you have for witnessing and sharing the gospel with people is by doing that. Now I can, there's other ways that I can work in uh, relationships with people that lead them to, to a, a gospel conversation. Oh, I mean, yeah, 80% 80, 80 of church growth is from personal relationships. So I, I am with you 100% right. on that. Uh, you know, that's why I try every person that comes into the church, I try to make a personal connection with, get out to get to know them, yeah. uh, connect with people, even customers at my bivocational job, whatever. Um, so there's a lot, obviously, to unpack here. And so we'll, we might have to have you on again to reassess some things and just talk about other topics. It'll be yeah. fun. But uh, after you. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, so after you've experienced, after everything you've experienced, because you've experienced uh, both sides now, and you've also experienced vitriol for uh, some of your shift, but you also experienced a lot of grace. Like some people actually just was really supportive of you, um, some good pastors and stuff. So not it's not all bad when these shifts happen. It's just when you make a shift, things are going to happen. <laughs> um, but right. after you've experienced, after some of your experiences, what is the best way to promote unity without compromising the true faith. It's you really got to nail down what is what is theologically vital and what's not. Uh, you know, part of our training at ABWE uh, was how to work Association of Baptist World Evangelism was how to work with people that believe differently, right? 
and and how to think through you know that there are there are vital issues that we separate over there are doctrinal issues that you might disagree with but you could still fellowship and even work with that person at varying degrees of, of closeness based on that particular issue and then there's preferences that you just you work with those people despite that and so like examples you know vitally important things the virgin birth the deity of christ the inspiration of scripture those are kind of things that like if somebody is like i don't believe the bible is inspired then it's like okay i i have to separate from you it, it i love you but i have to you know i can't that's a biblically mandated thing right mm-hmm. birth, the deity of christ if you don't believe christ is the son of god you know what are you doing and, you know it's like fellowship with you you know it's, it's not a club why well, you call it a church Things that are you could maybe find wiggle room on are you know <laughs> we were talking about this the other day like certain things of eschatology like I I, I tend to be pre-trib pre-millennial but if I am talking to somebody who's mid-trib or even post-trib it's like I disagree with you but you know let's go serve Jesus together that's fine yeah well, not, if, eschatology is funny but, when people freak out over I'm like the Jews thought they had the prophecy about Messiah figured out and they didn't so why are we arguing over this it's such a silly thing. You know. Right. Now, even within that, you know, if you don't believe Jesus is coming back, it's like, well, okay, that's very explicitly in Scripture. <laughs> I, <you know. laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So there's big things and smaller things and then preferential things, dress, Bible version, music, you know, the big three are actually the minor three. Um, things like, just lots of things like that. No, no that's, it's funny because it, don't matter. The church, I learned to categorize even the church I first pastored, I am, uh, you know me, I'm a perfectionist by nature. And so much like Melinda, although I think Melinda is a little bit worse than me. And for me, like I came to Door Baptist and Door Baptist, you know, they, they, as their pastor, it's a lot more, you know, held together by prayers and bubble gum. It's a little bit more uh, <laughs> like, like laid back. It's just, it was so different from such a, it's such a structured approach that I'm used to. And I remember that was a preference that I was like, oh, this is dry. I, I got to be okay with it though. I got to be okay with this. Not my church, it's God's church. And so, so I think that's good. Identify what the core issues are um, that you have to break fellowship. Deity of Christ, you know, that's why we don't fellowship with Jehovah's Witnesses really. Um, you know, we try to witness to them, which I, you know, I actually successfully have one. I got one. Hey, <laughs> but, uh, you know, then we got, uh, you know, so Jehovah's Witnesses, deity of Christ, but at the same time, then there's things like, or predestination is another one. Like, um, I can, I have friends that are mine that are Calvinistic. Yeah. I have some friends mine that are Armenian. Guess what? They all believe in Jesus Christ. And you know, I'm a Molinist. So, I mean, I don't make anyone happy. So, but at the same time, these are areas where we can fellowship still and work in the cause of Christ. And then of course, obviously the preferences, preferences can go, man. Preferences, yeah, I, I have my preferred things, but baby doesn't always get what baby wants, and I have to be willing to work with that. So uh, I'm sure that some of the disciples would prefer not to go what they went through, too, so I, whatever. <laughs> and then, and, you know, the other thing along with that is once you've nailed those down, then be careful about your attitude. Um, coming from both the different movements, the, the movement that I was in, the more traditional movement, would, would speak with such vitriol and, and venom and and anger and just it sounded like hatred uh about people that were in contemporary churches whereas contemporary church people would 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 talk about you know so and so that that runs that particular style that other style of church like oh he's a great brother he really loves the lord they're doing a great thing there and you know we tried to help them we tried to and and i hear that a lot is we we tried to reach out to them to serve together and they wouldn't respond 
Um, Very separatist, so, yeah. <laughs> nail those things down. Don't be a fighting fundamentalist. <laughs> you know, be a, be a loving, gracious fundamentalist, or whatever, how, whatever term you use to define your your theological standpoint. Absolutely, uh, do it. Do it in grace, and and only flip the tables and drive the money changers out when you have to. Because Jesus did do that, but he only did it once. <laughs> it, well, yeah, and the thing is, yeah, so. Yeah, true. Uh, it's just well put. I don't need to add to that, really. Uh, but anyhow, so um, I just really want to take the time to just say thank you for being on. I, I know it's a long interview, but I think there's a lot of people out there that can relate to that. Uh, one day I'll tell my own testimony on here. I just don't want it to be, as as although I am the front man of this, I don't want it to be the Will Hess show. Um, I, I want to talk about more important issues, and I think it's great that people are hearing... Oh. Now it's the Will Hess's hair show. <laughs> True. Uh, right. Whatever. Quarantine does make makes me do wild things. But anyway, uh, Drew, thank you for being on. Thank you for those. I think yeah, there are some things at least you challenge people on there. I think some perspective issues I think will help people. I know there's some people who are going to find it a blessing. So thanks for being on, man. Uh, and look forward to talking to you soon. Probably here in about five minutes after the call. Probably, yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me on. And you know, I'd love to come back. Awesome. Thanks, man. Love you. <laughs> Anyhow, thank you guys. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Drew. Uh, you can go ahead and follow them. I think Rights to the Deaf. I, I know they are work still working with the Deaf Ministry and whatnot at their church. But if nothing else, guys, hope that was a challenge to you. Hope it was encouragement to you. And uh, that's what I want to do here. I want to promote uh, real biblical issues and talk about real issues with people and relationships. So thank you guys for being here today. And this has been The Church Split.